I'm Allison. And I'm Alyssa. And this is Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker, where we reread the books we first read as kids and teens, again now with our adult perspectives. And sometimes with the help of that glorious adult juice we call liquor. First, we want to acknowledge the lands on which we are recording our podcast today. I'm currently recording on the unceded territories of the Coquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Musqueam, Squamish, Kakite, and Stolo First Nations. And I am currently recording on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people. And I acknowledge that the land I am on is covered by Treaty 13, signed by the Mississaugas of the Credits, and the Williams Treaty signed with the multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. Today, we're reading selected works from the Nancy Drew series by Carol Keene. So, what are you drinking today? Um, I'm drinking a Mexican lager in my fridge because that's what I had. Solid. Yeah. There's no alcohol in this series. Like, there isn't. Oh, it's very so, pure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, limited options. Yeah. And there was a cider in my fridge and it's very tasty. Okay. And local and delicious and pear and yummy. And I wanted to drink it. So here yeah. we are. No, I feel like Nancy Drew would be a cider drinker. She would be. She would be if she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready for some ASMR? I'm going to open my can. Oh, yeah. Here we go. All right. So, Nancy Drew, do you want to start us off with uh, your experience and your rating as a kid? Yeah. So, I remember, I think it was either my mom reading me the series or maybe me reading them to myself or probably a mixture of both Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in elementary school. uh, And my mom had a bunch of the books... I'm thinking maybe somewhere between like 20 and 30. Like she had a pretty big collection of them Mm -hmm. all from the 60s. I think so pretty, pretty crusty in their (laughs) current state. Um, Yeah. And I think I was introduced to them around the same time that my dad was sharing his similar Hardy Boys collection Mm -hmm. with with my brothers and me. Uh, And it's, it's not like my parents were like, Hardy Boys is only f- for the boys, and you can only read Nancy Drew. Like, I remember also being read Hardy Boys, but I don't remember it as clearly, so I think I wasn't as into it. Yeah. I think I was more like, nah, Nancy Drew's more my speed. Fair. I, ha- I have more memories with it. Yeah, anyways, uh, I, I did think I enjoyed them as a kid because I read many of them, mm-hmm. but I think maybe I would give the series like a seven because I don't remember them that vividly, like a lot of the plot was still a surprise to me yeah but I, I I think I enjoyed them yeah I I read a few of the books um I wasn't particularly invested in them like uh and, but I was definitely a fan of the Emma Roberts film adaptation we'll oh it's that. yeah Don't it's very worry. that era oh yeah um yeah I feel like had I read more I would have been more into it uh I just don't think I read enough to like really get invested in them uh but i know my mom was a big nancy drew fan Mm -hmm. so i did read a couple i know that but so i think i would have given them like a six just because i think i read a couple and i enjoyed them but i just don't remember being like yeah you weren't like obsessed with them yeah yeah i think that it was really popular with our parents age because they were little kids in the time when the books were being re Mm-hmm. branded and yeah. republished so that totally makes sense to me mm-hmm. okay so instead of having a summary because there's a billion books yeah. uh and we didn't read them all that's just gonna uh, be the whole it... episode actually we're just gonna do summaries of each book 
<laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, that would be such a long episode. Oh my god, that'd be so boring. Uh, no, okay, but I figured it would be useful to give some background just a little yeah. bit. Um, okay, so because the series was so prolific and ran for such a long time, it mm-hmm. was written by several ghostwriters under the pseudonym of Carolyn Keene. So very mm-hmm. much like how the Hardy Boys series was written, um, because they were sort of meant to be companion pieces in a certain way. Yeah. Each of the books involves a mystery that Nancy Drew comes across and then has the motivation to solve for some like moral reason or whatever. Uh, and the series began in 1930. And over the course of 70 years, 175 books were published under the Nancy Drew title. Oh, damn. Which is so many yeah uh yeah and there's a there's like separate series happening now that aren't connected to the original series Mm -hmm. but they still have nancy as a main character but they're modernized like nancy has a cell phone so it's a little bit different Mm. very very much like 2007 emma roberts movie style i guess yeah yeah and we we will address that later for sure oh yeah which books did you read for today okay i read the secret of the old clock um Mm -hmm. and mystery of lilac in and i read synopsis of the couples i of a the first five i think so i ran out of time yeah i intended to read more but it was a hella week so i did my best that's good (laughs) at least they're like pretty quick reads yeah i i ended up reading the first four books Mm -hmm. so it's the secret of the old clock the hidden staircase the bungalow mystery and the mystery at lilac inn and I remember having read all of these four as kids, which is partially why I picked the first four. I wanted mm-hmm. to do, like, one more, but I just didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The Secret of the Old Clock is the only one I, like, recognize. So I wonder if that was actually the only one I read. Um, but I do remember there was one with a doppelganger of Nancy. That was Mr. Vilikin, right? That's, yeah, that's Lilac. Yeah, okay, yep. so I did read, I think those were the two I read as a kid. Okay, yeah. those are two of the most popular, like, I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to read the first few or the most popular, and it turns out the most popular are pretty much the first few. The first few, yeah. So, which makes sense. So, yeah. there you go. Should we just start off right away with a feminist rant time? Because I, I feel like so, it's yeah. appropriate. I mean, she's a feminist icon, so. She is, she is for sure. Let's do it. Okay, so obviously... I know that the series was started and also set in the 1930s, so of mm-hmm. course we're going to have, like, era-typical misogyny and sexism and whatnot. Ah, uh, yes, but, love. Yeah, but it, but it also does have some of that, like, a little bit first-slash-second-wave feminist ideology, uh, mm-hmm. because we have, like, the very intelligent, motivated, self-sufficient female protagonist who often faces off against, like, older men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that way, the series would have been, I think, influential on young female readers of the time. And I know that I thought she was cool when I read it in, like, the early 2000s, so oh, yeah. it tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I did really enjoy reading about a female protagonist um, who, like, when her car gets flat tire, she's like, well, that's annoying, and then fixes the problem. And it's Yeah, she's like, like I guess point. I'll change it. Yeah, and it's not yeah. a point that she's, like, stranded because she doesn't know how to fix a tire, or she gets stuck in the boat, and it was like... It takes her a while, but she eventually fixes it herself. So I did really like reading about such a self-sufficient young woman, mm-hmm. especially from that time era. And I also appreciated that her dad doesn't try to persuade her to pursue more like ladylike interests. Yeah. And he's actually very supportive in that she's interested in detective work. Like he's like, don't put yourself in dangerous positions, but like, I, I get why you're into this and I support it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. He never like chastises her. Mm-hmm. When she ends up in a sketchy situation, he's just like, oh, I'm glad you're safe. Yeah. 
the housekeeper's more like, oh my god, Nancy, don't do dangerous things. And she's like, I'm gonna do it anyway. Solve yeah. the mystery. And he's like, all right, just try to be safe. Proud of you, my child. Yeah. I do want to point out, however, how often Nancy was described as, like, lovely or pretty. Like, mm-hmm. literally the first sentence of mm-hmm. Secret of Old Clock. Um, that's how she's described. And it, I felt yeah, it's, like it it's in, like, the first up. two sentences of every book in this, in the, oh, yeah. of the ones that I read, at least. It's like, Nancy yeah. was so pretty. Let me describe her dress to you. Right, yeah. And it's always about her outfit, too. And, yeah. um, like, the characters who are not as nice are described as, like, not to be not as attractive. So we're yeah. really just following that, like, ugly equals bad and pretty equals good trope, which... Yeah, it's the. It's like easy, easy for kids to follow that way, but it's annoying. I know, yeah, as an as an adult, because you're like sometimes pretty people aren't nice. Also, right? Yeah, ugly people can be nice. Pretty people can be mean. Yeah, yeah. Something that I found interesting is that Nancy Drew was started as sort of a sister piece to the Hardy Boys, so that young girls could have like mystery Mm -hmm. novels to read as well. Um, but this raises a big flag for me in terms of, like, one, why can't girls read the Hardy Boys? And two, why can't boys read Nancy Drew? Because everything has to be gendered, obviously. It's Yeah, it, it just ticks me off because yeah. I remember my dad also reading the Hardy Boys to me and I was like, this is fine also. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting yeah. when you think about it because, like, so many people would have way less issue if their daughter's reading the Hardy Boys then their son's reading Nancy Drew. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And that's one of those, like, mm, want to unpack that? Wanna... Yeah, and I don't think my brothers read Nancy Drew. Like, I mm-hmm. could be wrong, but I don't think that they did. Yeah. So there you go. Gender roles. We hate. It, it is interesting that it, it came about because I guess they saw a desire or a market for, mm-hmm. like, female detective novels. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was published in, like, 1930. That's... That's fairly early f- to have such a, uh, uh, like the female protagonist described in the way that she yeah, is, you very know, being so, yeah, yeah, being so independent and mm-hmm. successful without like a man sort of co-opting her success. Right. Yeah. We don't. We didn't get many of those. Yeah, and and she wasn't used before. as like a a cautionary tale like a lot of women would be at the time mm-hmm. in literature. Like she goes through a thing because of you know because Nancy is very like proud and sort of stubborn so normally in a in an atypical novel i think she would have had to like go through a hardship and then learn a lesson at the end and not necessarily mm-hmm. be like victorious but nancy always succeeds and everybody appreciates yeah. her for it yeah and at least in the ones i read uh, i'm not sure about yours and the early ones there's no romance yeah it's, i really appreciated that yeah it's very it's a nice breath of fresh air yeah for sure yeah, there's, like, boys who you can tell are interested in her, but she's like, I don't have time. I have a mystery to solve, bitch. And I'm uh-huh. like, yes, Nancy, yes. I respect, yep. Yeah, very good. She ha- she spends a lot more time with her lady friends. Respect. Gotta hang out with the gals. Mm-hmm. Although Nancy is very independent, something else that was making me think a little bit was that men keep acting either, like, surprised that she can go around and do intelligent things on her own mm-hmm. or they feel the need to like guard and protect her unnecessarily excluding pretty much her dad who's concerned about her but doesn't like force her to do anything yeah but all of the other men that she comes across are usually like very vocally concerned about her going out and doing detectively things or mm-hmm. or they're like wow nancy i can't believe that you solved this you're such a gentle lady or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah 
Like, I do love the element of surprise, but it's when it happens over and over again, you're like, okay, yeah, we've been here before. Yeah. But on the other hand, it was nice that, like, when provided with proof or Nancy's logic or whatever, the police or whoever always believed her, too. So it's like, ah, right? th- yeah. at least there's that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're all, she was like, here's what's going on. They were like, okay. Good to know. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Okay, uh, also in some of the books that I read, Nancy solves the mystery pretty much totally on her own, and if she gets into, like, a, a pickle, she sort of saves herself. Mm-hmm. But in others, she does end up getting help from men, particularly when she's been, like, uh, you know, put in a closet or, like, in a in a cellar, and she physically, yeah. like, is in a, a bind. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the person or people that end up helping her is either her father or the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying she shouldn't be able to rely on others, because, of course, a good message is, like, ask for help when you need it. But it but it is frustrating when she's done, like, the whole investigation thing by herself throughout yeah. the book. And then at the very end, she ends up needing to be saved. Yeah, right? It sort of undermines the message a little bit. Definitely. Like, my question would be, um, is it the same for the Hardy Boys? Because, like, if it is, then the message becomes, like, there's no shame in getting help. But if the Hardy Boys are always saving themselves and, like, finishing the mystery by themselves, like, then we're sending the message of, like, Nancy needs help because she's a girl. That's so a very, very good I question. I haven't, yeah, read any of the Hardy Boys. I don't know if you remember them enough to I don't that. remember them clearly enough to be able to say that, but I'm, like, very curious now well, then that means about that. We're just going to have to do the Hardy Boys for an episode. <laughs> At some point, we will probably do that. Yep. Cool. Another thing that I wanted to discuss today was the the way that like the family unit or is portrayed mm-hmm. in this series. So we actually do see a lot of particularly older women who are independent and not part of a traditional family unit in this series, like uh, the two sisters in the first novel, uh, The Secret of the Old Clock, who are looking after their great niece or something. Mm-hmm. Or the mother and daughter who live together in the hidden staircase. Yeah. Uh, but but then again, they end up needing Nancy and also sometimes the police or Nancy's dad's help mm-hmm. because they are not able to like financially be independent uh, or because somebody is like harassing them or terrorizing them or whatever. Yeah. You know, creeping around their house. Hmm. So although we do see women breaking the traditional mold in this series, like the gender roles sort of end up being reinforced anyway through the plot. Yeah. Uh, We're meant to feel sorry for the women, for sure, because they can't take care of themselves. Like, Nancy's always like, oh, what a sympathetic character. I have to solve this mystery for this nice old lady who can't do it herself. But then we also see, like, uh, a not-quite-typical family structure with the Drew family, because Nancy's mom died when she was pretty young, Mm -hmm. and her father raised her as sort of a single dad, but along with the housekeeper. And the housekeeper's a really interesting character to me because she sort of fills in for Nancy's mom on, like, an emotional level, but also in terms of, like, the the family structure because Nancy's father either can't or won't do housework, so they hire, like, a female housekeeper to do these things. Yeah. Um, But Hannah, the housekeeper, also functions as a reminder of, like, the Drew's social status, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, there's... I get my my guess is solidly upper middle class um, because Nancy's able to like go around shopping and she drives her little convertible off on adventures and mm-hmm. can just like stay at a hotel and eat at the fancy restaurant if she wants to if it's for the investigation. Yeah. So she has like a lot of freedoms associated with financial independence. 
Yeah, it's just kind of like the, like, almost like the perfect rich girl. Like, she has all the yeah. things, but she's, like, aware of her privilege and, like, down to earth about it. Yeah, to a certain extent, for sure. Yeah. But uh, back to Hannah. She gives me strong Chessy vibes from The Parent Trap. Mm, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love Chessie, right? Yes. Like, kind of the sort of surrogate mom role. Mm-hmm. They, like, never super describe who Chessie is in that movie. They're more yeah, she's sort of like the chill is. housekeeper who lives there and is basically like the fun aunt. Yeah. My favorite tweet, yeah. I'm going to talk about The Parent Trap now. Um, my favorite like tweet I've seen about that film is like, I love how the most accurate part is like the dad does not notice that that's not his daughter or that that's not the right twin. And yeah. like the surrogate mother within a day is like, who are you? You stranger. You are You're chilly. The dad, like, who are you? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> notice this right away. Something's up. The housekeeper Anyways. always knows. Oh. Yeah. Uh, back to um, Nancy Drew. Oh, I wanted to say when you were talking about the, like, family unit and, like, kind of, we're supposed to be feel, feel sympathetic. Like, I feel mixed about it because I like the idea of, like, getting to see different uh, family units, especially in a book from the 60s where they're so into the nuclear family mm-hmm. ideal um, and seeing, like, not every family looks like that, but then you're meant to be like, oh no, the poor things, they don't, they're not a normal family. Yeah, it's like, oh, her mother died. That's basically an orphan trope shot because a single dad at that time basically makes you an orphan. Yeah. So true. I think I'm going to take a big drink for that. Yeah, I forgot to bring my drink, so big drink. Also, I did so many shots the other night, so. Mm. I was having a farewell party. My roommate is moving to the UK. So I had shot roulette out at the party, and it was oh, tea God. or whiskey. Uh, I love that. Yeah, so a lot of shots were had. That sounds intense. So I think I'm a little shot outed, shot over shots until mm-hmm. probably our next episode. I'll be good, but... Yeah, give your liver a break. Yeah. That's a good call. <laughs> cool. So another another thing that I wanted to bring up is, like, the... I'm putting murder in brackets here, but murder mm-hmm. mystery slash mystery plot line. And it's it's sort of lasting presence in media because we get yeah. such a formula in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many TV shows follow the exact same formula as this, basically. Yeah. Like, okay, so that being said, there's a blatant lack of murders or general violence oh, yeah. uh, in this series. But I think that books like this and the Hardy Boys sort of popularized the like pulp mystery mm-hmm. novel genre for younger readers. And yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously still prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of police procedure, procedural dramas happen, like detectives uh, go around solving a new mystery each week that are usually like not connected to each other. And the, yeah. the only overarching plot line is basically like the interrelationships between the detectives. Mm-hmm. And that's very much, like, this series, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the Hardy Boys, but, like, I found in Nancy's books a lot of the mysteries, as you said, like, weren't very violent or about murders. It was mostly, like, stolen jewelry and inheritance and wills that need to be found. So, like, I'd be interested to see, like, what the Hardy Boy mysteries are like. Like, are they... Is it just because, like, these are more child, quote-unquote, child-friendly, like, mysteries? Uh... Or is Nancy given, like, the jewelry, stolen jewelry plotline? Because that's more, like, feminine. That's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah. 
It would have been interesting I, if we had read some Hardy Boys for this episode, but I'm also glad we're doing like a separate. We're doing them separately, but yeah, we're just gonna have yeah. some Hardy Boys one day. It'll be really interesting once we read those to be able to compare because I think there will be some big differences. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like I very much doubt that the Hardy Boys would be solving the mystery of like missing jewelry and then getting rewarded with a piece of the jewelry at the end of the book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also, the fact that Nancy conveniently gets like a sort of trophy from each mystery she solves and a lot of them tend to be jewelry so she just has this boss jewelry collection now because she's got these like fancy rings and shit that people gave her yeah like what a way to get your jewelry collection but yeah yeah it's like a it's a good story people are like i like your ring and you're like thanks i solved a boss ass mystery let me tell you about it in a hundred and something pages yeah true yeah um, I do want to talk about uh, something I found interesting online while doing some like Wikipedia searches. So as you've mentioned, the books were originally pu- published in the 1930s and then were re-released in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So I was reading some of the plot descriptions and they're, uh, obviously the 1930 versions are a little vague just because I'm sure they're way out of circulation. There's probably not yeah, many probably. copies left. Um, so it's hard to get information on them, I'm sure. But uh, from what I could see is uh, the original books, a lot of them were criticized for uh, there was a lot of like racialized um, description of characters uh, mm-hmm. that were very problematic and they were criticized for. And also just like some of the books, uh, they just like fleshed out the plots a lot. So I did think it was super interesting that they took these books that seemed to be doing well and like mm-hmm. kind of updated them to make them more uh, reflect the times a bit more and then re-release them. Yeah. Yeah. And I also find it interesting that they didn't feel the need to rebrand them again until like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So there was a full like 30 years between the first rebound and a full 40 years between the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean but... rebrand like the actual covers or like. No, sorry. By rebrand, I mean like um, like how there's new Nancy Drew book series where it's a completely different canon because she's like in the modern era. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Like, like sort of rewritten characters, not rewritten the plots. I miss it. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I didn't do too much research into it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess reading a book set in the sixties in the two thousands now or whatever, I guess it needed that refresh again. Maybe. Like yeah. they felt that it did in the sixties versus the thirties, which are two very different eras. Yeah. I guess, like, I remember thinking as a kid, like, I felt a little bit, I don't know, it's so weird, because, like, as a kid, I loved older books that were, like, set a long time ago, but there was something about this one, I felt a bit disconnected with the time. Mm. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. That's that's not a thought I'm having. Why? I don't know. Maybe the 60s wasn't far enough away back then for it to feel distant and exciting to you. Yeah, But it true. wasn't recent enough to feel modern or interesting in that way yeah maybe Hmm, that's interesting i didn't think about that i don't know in my head the 80s is still only 20 years ago so oh my god the 80s was 40 years ago yeah it feels weird to think about that wow (laughs) anyways yeah so i think it's really interesting that they yeah keep I think it's a was a smart move because obviously I yeah, don't think sure. Nancy Drew would be the series that it is had they not because it's the '60s versions that are yeah we definitely wouldn't be reading them still that's for sure 100 percent not yeah so it was a very smart move on their part and 
I feel like there's so many series that could follow suit. As we've been going through these, there's so many books that you're like, this would be great if there wasn't this whole section that's super yeah. racist or super sexist or just like doesn't connect with modern audiences. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of series that could follow suit. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. It, would be, it would be interesting to see if a, a slightly more modern series tried to do that. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, I think our collective sort of cultural memory is a bit more long lasting now because we have more documentation like through the internet and whatever yeah that i wonder if people would be willing to let go of an old series that's fair yeah especially if it was something that was like quite problematic yeah i mean that would be like if they tried to rebrand friends right now and make it inclusive people would just think it was like contrite and trying too hard oh yeah 100 percent. you know yeah. So I'm, but I mean, if it was something from the '60s that they were rebranding now, maybe that would be enough time. Like Riverdale, Andrew, <laughs> oh Hardy Boys, Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, there. Well, that gets us to our, our next topic very yeah. nicely, which is the the new movies and TV series and everything that have been coming out in the last like 15 years mm-hmm. or so, starting with. Uh, my question is, have you watched the new-ish, I think, 2019 uh, Nancy Drew series? Because I haven't, and I'm curious to know if you have, because I kind of want to check it out after reading the books, but if it's not good, then I don't want to. Yeah, I was trying to look into it, because um, I watched a couple trailers, I think. I think it's okay. one of those, like, it's on Netflix, it's not on, like, it's one on one of the random streaming platforms that no one oh, knows. Oh, okay. Um, I did, though, have an audition last summer for the Hardy Boys adaptation. Oh, yeah. I forgot um, about that. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. Uh, so I watched a bit of the first episode of that series, um, but I just watched Chunks because I was auditioning for, like, the younger version of one of the characters, so I was just looking for her to, like, see if there's any, like, quirks about the character to pick up on. Um, so I watched, like, some of the trailers for the Nancy Drew stuff. I it seems like it's very much in the realm of like Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina like it's very much updated very much put in this time okay um like it's set in 2020 or whatever year uh I just don't think they took off as much and I wonder yeah. if like the platform they are on is a big reason for that um I just really haven't heard anything about it since it came out and I was like oh that's a thing yeah yeah, so I, having not seen them, I can't really speak to the quality of the series, but I did look them up on Broad and Tomatoes. So the Nancy Drew series has an 89% audience rating, but there <laughs> aren't many ratings. Like, they can't even have a Broad and Tomatoes actual rating because there's not enough. Oh, okay. Uh, the Hardy Boys series has a 71% rating, 81% audience rating. So it seems to be a little more popular, at least. Right. Um, so it seems like they're not according to those ratings they don't seem awful so i'd be interested (laughs) to check them out yeah if they're on a service that i already pay for (laughs) yeah that's the thing i'm like there's so many services i don't want to pay for more yeah well maybe we'll watch the hardy boys one for the hardy boys episode which we do at some point in the future yeah that'll give us time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't know if because i auditioned for the second season so i don't know if it went beyond a second season right and same with Nancy Drew. I feel like there were two seasons. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not too much of a yeah. commitment. That's yeah. good. Okay. Fun story. Uh, one more thing about that series, actually, is uh, Lindsay, my sister, who was on our Anna Green Gables episode, and 
Goblet of Fire episode, I think, um, she accidentally and walked in onto the film set of the Nancy Drew. <laughs> uh, they were filming something, and the actress playing Nancy Drew ran right by her. She was like, oh, shit, that might have film set. <laughs> That's funny. So I don't know if she made it to the final cut, never seen it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I had a feeling that they filmed that here. Yeah, I think Hardy Boys is filmed in Ontario, hence how I got an audition. Okay. But Nancy Drew is filmed in Vancouver, yeah. That checks out. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's talk about the Nancy Drew movie with Emma Roberts' 2007 iconic piece of cinema. Yeah. I have to say, I did rewatch it um, for this episode, so it's fresh in my mind. Okay, picture it. 2007. North Vancouver. Two tweens watch the new Nancy Drew movie and go off around the neighborhood trying to solve mysteries with a belt, some random crap from my bedroom, and my little brother in tow. Oh my god, yeah. Who would have been quite young at the time. Yep. Uh, We tried to scale an eight-foot metal fence with a children's belt. I remember this vividly. Yeah, because I remember there's that scene where she kind of like lowers herself down. We were trying to... On the rope. We were trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe my mom let us just go off and do that. But it yeah. was an eight foot fence. There's only you can only get so hurt on that. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know if we dragged Alec along or if he wanted to come, but I forget. We were we were very uh, intent on solving mysteries and scaling random objects with this belt, this child's yeah, rainbow belt. Yeah. Iconic. Well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the movie's iconic. Uh, it's I have to say very much uh 2007 aesthetic mm-hmm. the the clothing and the cell phones will really really bring you back like Are really they bring phones? you back it's yeah and some of them slide oh like the slidey the, texty i love the, those yeah um anyway it's <laughs> i'm not gonna say it's the best movie i've ever seen <laughs> but it was very nostalgic for me that's fair and like emma roberts was a believable nancy drew mm-hmm. It was, yeah, if you've seen it before, it's worth a rewatch, but okay. it's, if you've never seen it before, it probably doesn't hold that nostalgia, but I would say watch it again. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get a chance to watch it, but um, I also looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and seemed like the general consensus was like Emma Roberts is a really good Nancy Drew and the rest of the movie is like all the other aspects is kind of like where the movie lacks, but yeah. she's like definitely the best part of it. Um, it's it, got a yeah. 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which, like, I feel like, from what I remember, that checks out. I'm not surprised. As, like, yeah. looking back as an adult, being like, you know, it was probably, like, I remember loving Emma Roberts, and now looking yeah. back, I'm like, yeah, the plot seemed, like, okay. <laughs> it was an interesting choice of plot for a kid's movie, because it's all about Hollywood, like, behind the scenes, kind of. It's like Nancy Drew goes to Hollywood, basically. Yeah. Because it's like- about... A movie, it's like an actress who died mysteriously, and the Nancy and her dad move into the actress's house, and she's trying to solve the mystery of her death. And yeah, it's very like Hollywoody in a movie type, like the way that movies portray Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it seems so like a it little was more. Very, it didn't feel like super Nancy Drew on brand like nineteen sixties, but it did feel like modern. Nancy Drew for a modern audience, and clearly we liked it at that age. Yeah. 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 It, now, thinking about the plot, it seems like it's all more, like, I want to say mature than the uh, books Nancy Drew's, just because there's, like, the death in it. It's, like, yeah. 
there's something about a love affair or something because there's yeah yeah there wasn't and a secret pregnancy Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's definitely like a bit spooky in terms of you know she's going around this big old house and it's kind of creepy and there's secret passages and there's like weird old men and stuff so yeah yeah i'd say it's like a a little bit spookier than the books maybe Yeah. yeah i watched the trailer for it um and just like all the actors even like the boy that's like her love interest i was like oh that's such the 2007 yeah ideal boy look oh my god yep 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 100 percent. oh it was very funny yeah damn yeah i remember like this movie really sparking our like we're gonna be detectives Mm -hmm. 100 percent. all right do we have any random last thoughts about any of the books that we want to touch on because we didn't actually talk about plot that much i know well like i find yeah when we talk about different plots it's uh with multiple books it always feels like it gets all over the place uh i don't know i didn't feel like i didn't think much of the plots like they're very intriguing they're very fun um there's nothing in specific ones i'm like okay you you read the lilac in one though right yeah i think so So that one in that one the inn is on this big river Mm -hmm. and in the river is a, a secret submarine that the villains have as their oh, lair yeah. <laughs> for their diamond thieving business. And that just felt a little bit outlandish to me. I did not remember anything about that. Uh, right. So when we got to that part, I was like, they have a submarine in the river? What? Because, <laughs> you know, we all have a submarine. Every thief has a submarine in the river. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh. That just felt really extra to me. <laughs> Yeah. A little bit weird. Good point, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, oh, interesting. Also, Nancy's doppelganger in that book in particular, um, where it's like somebody sort of doing identity fraud. Yeah. Uh, because they steal her, like, what is it called? Like a a purchase plate or something? It's, I guess it's like an old credit card. Yeah, I think um, so. That's kind of what yeah. it's like. Yeah. And they use it to, you know, go buy clothes and and shit and so she's trying to figure out who's impersonating her mm-hmm. and it was just i found it like a little bit unbelievable that several people that she knew personally ran into this doppelganger and genuinely believed it was nancy after having a conversation with them yeah interesting like i if you had a somebody who was impersonating you and i saw them in person i'm pretty sure i would know it wasn't you you know what i mean that's fair yeah Unless you're really good at doing it. Yeah. I just thought that was, it was the, that was the plot of the books I read that I was the most like, uh, it feels like there's a lot of weird loose ends and question marks I have in terms of this one. Yeah, that's fair. And I just found them fun. And I was like invested in them too. Like I enjoyed reading them. I I actually quite enjoyed reading them. I was like, if I had more time, I would continue on with the series just to see because I did enjoy reading them a lot. Yeah, and they're they're so easy. They're like you could read each book in like a couple hours, so it's not really like a a big commitment. It's just you have to you know have a couple hours to sit down and do it, which is sometimes challenging. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, but if you have a couple hours, you give them a read. I would say. Yeah, I only got through two because I have not had a couple of hours in a long time <laughs> to do anything besides work. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think they were all pretty light 
in terms of content. Oh, like yeah. as we said, no no murders and no like big violence. But I think the one that of the the first four, the one that was maybe the darkest was the bungalow mystery mm-hmm. because Nancy runs into this girl who's an orphan, um, <laughs> of course, and she Obviously. has a large inheritance. And then this like mysterious aunt and uncle or whatever pop out of the woodwork and they're like oh you're ours now haha give us the family jewels uh and they're they like lock her in a room and they're kind of abusive and trash people and then uh they basically kidnap her and then nancy goes to try and rescue her and she gets locked in the basement with this um old man who's actually like her uncle or whatever Hmm. anyway so it's it's the one that i think was the darkest in in tone in terms of like the the closest to like violence or whatever is is happening. Yeah. But yeah, other than that they're pretty tame, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, um do you have what you'd like to share your grown-up adult rating of the book? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so as I said, fun to read again and I I remembered like flashes of the plot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um there were like pieces from the books sort of, like, images or objects. Like, I remembered the clock. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remembered, you know, the hidden staircase, you know, the things that were in the titles, like, the impressionable things. Yeah. Uh, But the majority of the plot was basically, like, new to me, so it was fun to to read them and have the mystery uncovered and have it be sort of a surprise. Yeah. Which is not something you usually get. Like, if you like mystery novels and you reread them, it's not the same effect knowing what's gonna happen when you read it again right unless if it's a really well-written mystery novel or like yeah where yeah in which case you enjoy seeing yeah, the, the clues, clues and together and yeah. things yeah but it's it's a different experience and not often do we get to reread a book and have like a a first experience with it again so that was yeah. kind of fun for me mm-hmm. um like that being said it was naturally frustrating to read through misogynistic things but that didn't it wasn't like a a deal breaker for me there wasn't in the first four books, at least, I can't speak to the whole series, but there wasn't anything, like, glaringly problematic with them that I noticed. Yeah. So that was also sort of refreshing, especially because they do take place in the 30s and were re- rewritten in the 60s, so I'm like, right, oh, yeah. there could be some controversial shit in here. Who knows what we're getting into? And, and, like, maybe I didn't personally pick up on it if it was there, but it nothing was, like, a huge red flag to me, which is very nice. Yeah. The like yeah. only thing I noticed was the thieves were described to have large noses, and I was like, "We're oh. getting into weird territory here." And that okay, was like the okay, that's, only thing I noticed. Yeah, that is sus. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Other than that, I think I would rate it maybe a, a seven. Like, sort of keep my rating the same. Like okay, they were yeah. good, and they're an interesting and easy and fun read. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like, oh, this is the best ever. Rediscovering my childhood. Wow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a good time. I wish I had more time to read more of them because uh, I really yeah, enjoyed reading the ones I did. Um, I think they hold up. They're still very fun stories. Yeah, so I'm going to give it an eight, actually. Like, I wish That's I'd solid. been more into them yeah. as a kid. I really liked them. Me yeah. too. I, I think the idea of having such a long series daunted me, and I think, like you, it was a bit too far removed from an era that I found to be interesting. Yeah. It wasn't old enough to be fantasy, and it wasn't new enough to be contemporary. Yeah. I have a thought about, like, why I wasn't connected to it, but I think it's going to take, like, an hour for it to form, so. 
We'll do an update. Yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about Lord of the Rings next episode. I'll be like, so, back to Nancy Drew. <laughs> yeah, so, spoiler, uh, yeah. join us next time as we read The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Funnily enough, because the uh, Amazon Prime series has just come out, so if you're thinking about Lord of the Rings, tune in, because yeah. we will be talking about The Hobbit. I know. Yeah, I brought it up, because I was like, we're going to share in, like, five seconds that we're reading again. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've read cool. The Hobbit, but not the rest of the series, so. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm excited. Well, it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. All right. We will see you there. This has been Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Books Before Liquor and Twitter at BooksBLPodcast. And check us out on our website at BooksBeforeLiquorNeverBeenSicker.ca or email us at booksbeforeliquor at gmail.com to scream at us about great books or send us recommendations or whatever. We love to hear from you. And you can also support us by visiting patreon.com slash booksbeforeliquornevervinsickered. And now, go drink a big glass of water. <laughs> <laughs>